What is up, guys? This is Pinzo back with another episode of the Nerd Hub podcast. I, of course, am joined by my cohort, Exlon. Good to be here. Good to have you. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a little bit. It's been like almost four months since we've done one of these. Yeah, busy four months. Not gonna lie. Uh, I got a new job. Got a had graduated college. Did did the thing. Well done. Well done. Congratulations, if I, if I may say so again, of course. Okay, thank you very much. And you've been doing YouTube. YouTube's been popping off. Been having some great content. You had a game show yesterday. I did. I ran a Twitch game show. Um, you can catch it on YouTube tomorrow, probably, when, after, when, this, when this podcast goes up. So, yeah, yeah it's been, I got it's to been see, good. I got to see a little bit of the stream. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, actually. It turned out really well, I think. So I was uh, I was quite happy with it. Um, speaking about things I'm happy with, <laughs> you want, <laughs> you want to jump want, into our first thing today? To segue into into something happier. No, dude. I'm I'm <laughs> I've st- I've still got it. I've still got it. Uh... So speaking of something that I'm happy with, uh, movies. Exelon, I actually recently got the uh, the Regal Unlimited Movie Pass. And... I know what that is. Oh, uh, well, you live, you probably don't go to a Regal theater, is probably no. why. Um, where I live, basically the only theater within like an hour of my house is a Regal movie theater. And you can pay, like for me, it's 19 bucks a month. And I can see as many movies as I want. And I don't, I don't have to pay for tickets. I get like uh, discounts at concessions and stuff like that as well. But I don't have to pay for the tickets. Um, because of that, I have seen more movies in the last month than I have in like the four months before that. But the movie that I've actually seen the most out of that time is Across the Spider-Verse. I've seen it three times in theaters now. Have you you've seen you've seen Across the Spider Verse, right? I have, and it is so far. I think I don't think there's really a competition. The best movie of the year, um, and we'll get into this a little bit later. But one of the greatest animated movies of all time. I thought it was fantastic. Oh yeah, I I completely agree. I think it instantly like shoots up into some, you know, questioning of does this deserve to be on a list of, you know, top animated movies. I think it definitely enters that conversation. I know it's been out for like uh well it's been it's been out for almost 2 months now. But uh I know I know that it is fairly new, but I do think that it pretty much instantly enters that conversation. Yeah, and like when one of those movies comes out, I feel like when you the theater and like you watch one of those movies like and you you kind of know like oh i just watched something that was awesome like that's been like that's going to make a list is going to be an instant like i hate using the term instant classic but it's going to be like something i'm going to want to watch again something that i like really enjoyed yeah 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 no i definitely like the first time so i saw it first showing um and walking out of the theater, I went with a bunch of my friends. We went for a showing. Walking out of the theater, 
it was like that was a good movie like i for those of you that don't know this is a part one of two it's the only spoiler that i'm gonna gonna give you um it, it, this is a part one of two it is uh the trilogy of across of the spider-verse trilogy uh the second and then what will be the third movie hopefully coming out in march are like part one and two of the same story i did not know that going into the theater i was unaware I was also unaware, and that would I would say that's my one like big er criticism. It is my only gripe with the movie that I can think of. Yeah, because I like I did catch myself a few times throughout the throughout the show, um, like being like I don't know how this is gonna end, and after like two or so hours, I was like I I was actually getting ready to be really disappointed. Because I was like, they're not that setting they're up just a rush properly. It. <laughs> like, like they're gonna rush this so hard. Like, I was getting ready to be like, okay, like this movie's gonna flop the ending real hard. And then they part two'd me, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not upset. Actually, I'm actually really happy. So I was I was a little disappointed that it wasn't a full story, but I. Like the the props that I have to give is that across the Spider Verse is like a two and a half hour movie. I think I could have sat there for another two and a half hours right then and watched part three. I mean, I it like was too. it was crazy, like just how, uh, I don't know, just how good that movie was. I was I was expecting to be honest. I still think the first one is better. I think it is a complete, and part of that is because it's a complete story. So, you know, there's that. The animation in the second one, definitely better. Like, they, whatever, they, the first one, obviously, superbly animated, created, like, a new, I don't know if you would call that a, like, a subgenre in, in animation these days. Like, you know, Puss in Boots sort of copied some of the look of the, of the first one, right? Uh, They definitely perfected it in the second one. It's oh, just, yeah, talk, it's so good. Yeah, talk about a way to keep an audience engaged. Like, just going from your comic book style to Lego to, like, an old, uh, like, Shakespearean, Da Vinci yeah. style to, like, that was such a fun, because I, like, every time a fight broke out, I was like, what are they going to do? It was, I mean, it was... Uh, the mu- the the movie was beautiful. The first uh I don't know exactly how long the the first section of that movie is like maybe half an hour is just so good. Just like the the all of the backgrounds in um Gwen's universe, you know, they they almost look um like wa- watercolor. Exactly, yeah. And they all like fade into each other. It's just it's so good. It is so good. Yeah, the, I think my fa- my favorite one, um, especially at, once I found out um, what happened after the fact, was probably the uh, Lego animation because the yeah, Lego animation uh-huh. was animated by a fourteen year old. Yeah, just some dude. Like uh, the the way he got the job was that he the first trailer for Spider Verse that came out he reanimated in Lego, and then they were like. Hey yo, this kid's pretty good at this. Can we get him to make the the Lego universe for this? Can we get him to animate this? And he did. They 
they got a 14 year old on the team to animate the lego universe yeah it's pretty sick um i do think i i agree with you i don't think it's better than the first entirely because it's part one and like that like it doesn't have like that satisfying ending of like nice job kid or whatever the quote is um not bad like, kid yeah not bad yeah not bad kid like it doesn't have that like satisfying one line agree like ending there's no the the thing about this one is that the climax of this movie or i get well it I, the cli- like the climax of this movie is I'd say it's I'd say it's quite good, right? It's mostly character driven. It's not really action. But then like the ending of this movie is um I think it was done very well. It was like like the whole time it was alluded to kind of the whole time, right? And then I think where this movie leaves off is very good at a very high point. What do you think if you had to guess? right now where spider-verse 3 will end up in this list of trilogies like in this trilogy like where would you where do you think you're going to end up ranking spider-verse 3 here's i i really really want and i do think that it's really really possible for it to be the greatest animated movie of all time because like going into both movie like across like the first one nobody had any expectations and they blew it out of the water like a hundred percent like it put it on the map got the movie a sequel like because there was very real chance that this movie flopped and it was like oh yeah like that that sucked yeah We're not gonna yeah, do yeah that for again. sure um and the second one, I I believe they actually already have the movie finished. Um, they set everything up really, really well for it to do well. Um, I think, I really do think it's going to be number one. I think that there's there's too much that I like about this movie that they can change from a creative perspective of like, of I was I'm such a sucker for like good music and good animation style and the fact and the pacing and the way that they change it up throughout the movie. I don't want that. Like the thing that I am worried that will happen is that they will call back too much to the second movie of like, it will get too same samey of like, Oh yeah, we saw Legos already. Oh, that was cool. Oh, we've been to Gwen's world already. Oh, we've seen uh, like the Da Vinci Falcon. Like I want them to keep bringing in new stuff. I want them to like keep, going back or not like instead of going back to like Mumbatton, go to a totally new world like go to like keep the spider-verse going keep bringing new spider-man into the fold until it all collapses or whatever the the uh finale is i pretty much completely agree actually i i strongly believe that this uh i would i would i would be incredibly surprised if this isn't like a top three animated movie of all time 
I would be very surprised. I don't know how they could mess it up badly enough to get to not put it on that list. Um, my only, my only like slight worry is that like the the first one and the second one are so good at like the first one especially. Obviously, it's a full story. It's so good at balancing the uh, all the character stuff with the action stuff, right? Like, obviously, it's kind of like this action, like it's a fairly action packed movie, but like it balances there, like there's real character growth. You believe the relationships in the movie, right? Like the uh, the voice acting, of course, is is top tier, but like you believe the characters in the movie, and the second one kind of leans more into that and a little bit away from action, right? There's a little less action in the second one. My worry, my only worry is that I think the third one might just be like 80% action. And I, I know that, that that it sounds dumb that I would say don't make it 80% action, but I don't want those, like the really strong characters to get lost in, in kind of a jumble, you know? That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I like that a lot because they they have built up, I, I think they built up the villain really well. Um, in the sense that, like, but in the sense that, like, we kind of got who the villain was. They have, like, a pretty solid backstory. I really don't want the... What I don't want them to do is make it too... Like, make it its own movie. Like, they paid um, homage to... Or, like, I don't know if it's... The right word is, like... They yes, showed, I think homage yeah. is the correct word. Yeah, they like they paid homage to the Venom series and the Tobey Maguire yeah. uh, Spider-Man series, and I think the MCU somewhere along the line. I believe that uh, they had real shots from Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and then the MCU was alluded to. I do not believe that they had real shots from the MCU. I'm guessing they could not like I, uh, afford yeah, or Strange. or actually get those. Yeah, they, I think they mentioned Doctor Strange. Yeah, they meant they mentioned Doctor Strange and the stupid kid on Earth 199999, which is the MCU. Yeah, but I don't want it to get too quippy. I don't want it to get lo- like too lost in other movies i don't want this to get like because right now the mcu is largely like kind of laying an egg i mean like the last guardians movie was pretty good um i enjoyed it but that's kind of because it was its own story away from the like multiverse type of content that i was not like it's I'm not crazy invested into that like whole story arc, and I want Spider Verse to be its own movie. I want it to be like, like you've paid your homage already. Like you've you've paid the good boy coin of like, yep, like these other Spider Men exist. And now let's talk about Miles and and Gwen yep. and uh, you know Peter B and like these characters. Let's talk about these characters. Exactly, like. You have really well-developed characters and a really, like, incredibly well-developed universe with characters that people care about. Like, when, at, like, the ending of the movie, uh, spoilers, when, um, the, when we got to see, like, Spider-Ham and we got to see 
like the old team come yeah. back. Like the characters were so memorable that you've went an entire movie and then these characters had one line maybe you showed them and you're like, "Oh, I'm excited." Yeah, for I don't this think most movie. of them even spoke. I think I I think they but, just showed up. I think that's it. Yeah, but like that's how well developed your characters are. And going through like the big Spider-Man scene where Miles is running away from everybody and um Ag- they're agree. really they're like they're kind of flexing like the different type of Spider-Man and they're like and that was a lot of fun and that was, I thought that was really funny like the Spider T-Rex and Spider Cowboy uh-huh. and like Peter that Park's was a, car yeah Peter Park's car that was like it was that was a lot of fun and that's a really well-developed universe and I what I would pretty I would despise and I think it would ruin the movie is that like the ending has anything to do with the MC. Like if I start I seeing agree. a portal I agree. open somewhere of like oh we're we're solving your problems I'm gonna no be I w- I I think the I think that everyone would throw a fit at that I think there's no way that that would be impossible. Um, last note on Spider Verse, uh, is this this is just a just a question for you? Uh, is this the best voice voice acted animated movie like ever? Because I I'm kind of inclined to say yes. <laughs> I I think I think this is one of the better voice acting casts that I that I've ever seen. See, I'm like I'm trying to find an excuse to say no, and I'm trying I to have, think of movies. I to have say... two other movies that I would put in my top three, not counting okay. Spider Verse One because it's okay. Like, you first know, this... one, Cars. That wasn't in mine. I, are you guessing mine? <laughs> are you guessing mine? No, okay. I, I, I was I was making it funny. I was making a joke. Oh, what? You don't think Chick Chick Hicks is one of the, the best animated voice acted characters of all time? I actually think Cars has a really solid voice acting. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. No, the solid, other two that great. I have like in my top three are The Incredibles and Atlantis. Ooh. Those are the other yeah, those are the other two that I would put in like my top three for voice acting. Again, not counting the first Spider-Verse movie, because it's the same voice actors as the second one. But no, I think I think this might be like the best the best voice acted film of all time, which is weird because it has like a decent amount of celebrity voice actors, but they're just like actually really good. So yeah, like um... I usually kind of have an issue with celebrity voice actors, like The Rock and Moana don't like it. But I, I kind of I usually have an issue with those. This one, I think I, they did a really good job. I would say, I mean, like my top three. It's definitely in my top three. My top three would be Toy Story because I think that that has just a, an incredibly recognizable cast. It, it's such a classic. Okay, but like the cast of Toy Story, like you said, Incredibles. Yeah. And this one, and it's kind of like pick your like pick your preference. Like I'm fine with any of those being number one realistically. Okay. okay. But it's so close. Like I really like the Incredibles voice acting. 
I think that, like, I think Syndrome has such an underrated, like, voice actor in the sense that... Agree. His, his voice conveys his character arc. Of, like, you can still hear the young in him and it like it reflects his character arc really really well like you can you, you hear a lot of that and i just think everybody every single character delivers i actually think this might be a little bit of a hot take but i think that the character for miles morales could be is the like the the least prominent voice actor like i think that not to say that by any means it's a bad job but like it's not unique it doesn't make anything about his character i i understand what you're saying i understand what you're saying um i do think that Haley steinfeld is probably my favorite voice actor from this she's the voice of gwen um she's probably my favorite but like Again, one of like one of the number one things I liked about this movie was how much time they spent on the characters, right? Like just like the 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 relationship between Gwen and Miles, Miles and his parents, right? Like the, those relationships are just built so well, and part of that is just really good voice acting, right? Like you wouldn't believe it if it was voice acted poorly. I agree. So like definitely pretty underrated speaking of underrated well, what is got the most too. underrated game you've played recently you you still you you've got you've got the 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 bug you've got the segway bug i've given it to like, you you're sick you're sick at it okay most underrated game you've played recently uh the most underrated game that i have played recently let me let me um pull up my games folder real quick uh i'm probably gonna go with well i and i don't know exactly like underrated what 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 counts as underrated um not as popular game that you tried out were surprised by like a small indie game that you played with boys that was like oh, yeah this is a lot of fun i'm um, i'm gonna say probably no man's sky i got back into no man's sky recently and uh game slaps i played it i did not play it right when it came out because like when it came out it was pretty bad and but like over the last five years they've updated the game very very consistently and made it very good so i've played it i started playing it like a year ago and then i haven't played it in like the last eight months and then i started playing it again like this last week really good game just incredibly expansive probably the best in my opinion probably the best space game that that exists that like hinges on you being uh being essentially a space guy right space guy it has it has really it has actually like pretty good ship combat the uh it's an mmo the upgrading all makes sense it's so freaking big like the actual world of the whole thing like the the universe is so big that it's just like like yes it's an mmo but you would never ever run into another player unless you wanted to which is which is like I know that sounds like a downside to an MMO, but I think it's really <laughs> cool. I think it's really cool. 
Yeah, from what I understand, No Man's Sky was like, when it first came out, a lot of people thought the game got very, like, same-samey. Like, it really, was. Really it was go to this place, find quickly. this mineral. The issue with No Man's Sky, like, or at least the, my biggest issue with No Man's Sky when it launched, is was like, going system to system would take you, like, 17 minutes, like, real lifetime to to go there. And uh, because they were like, yeah, we want this game to feel like, you know, feel like you're actually traveling. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was unacceptable. <laughs> now it takes about 12 seconds to do that. That's good. So That's good. Uh, it's in my opinion, it is good. That was my biggest issue with it when it came out. Yeah, what about you? You, to... you got an underrated game on your on your on your belt. I do and have you ever heard of the game Killing Floor? I have not. Uh, so this this game that I played with the boys is called Killing Floor, and Killing Floor is basically Call of Duty Zombies, but like its own game that's really really fleshed out. There's two. Which one is better? They're still updating the second one, and like there's still DLC for it. But the first one, it was just such a fun game. The the only gripe that I had with it, because it was kind of just like a new like take on COD zombies, but at like but just way more developed, like just different types okay. of zombies, like way bigger, a little maps. more expansive. Like yeah, way way more expansive. And the only gripe that I really had with the game was the fact that like the connecting to online servers with your friends like you actually have to have your some sort of code that's on your your modem somewhere and that was a Are little you difficult serious? To... <laughs> only for the person hosting only for the person hosting the okay. party so like me and the boys like a lot of us live in like apartments like we don't have our own uh private domiciles to that have like access to a router, which was a little difficult because we're like, okay, who here uh, wants to talk to their landlord for us? But other than that, I had a friend who told us about this game and I was like, I was originally very, very skeptical, but after getting into the game and playing, I thought it was such a blast. It was like, it was fun. It was interactive. It was like it was a very, very fun experience for everyone involved. It was fairly user friendly. It wasn't too difficult for newer players. You don't have to be like a hardcore like shooter player to to get the gist of it and do well in the game. But at the same time, I think they're like the pacing of their waves is also really, really strong. I was happy with this game and i would and it was one of the more underrated games i've played in a long time sounds very interesting for sure yeah yeah um speaking of interesting <laughs> how was that was that was that hey, i'm gonna go with solid four out of ten on that <laughs> I'll, one. I'll take it more than i deserve <laughs> Um, speaking of interesting, uh, 
MMOs. Excellent. I'm a big MMO guy. I, I love I love to play me some MMOs. What, like in your opinion, it, uh, what 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 do you think like the end game of an MMO looks like? Like if you could choose, what what would it look like? Would you have you know an MMO where you where you farm for gear or where you farm for materials to craft max gear or you know like like what do you what do you what do you think that should look like? I think so I think that you should farm for actual gear. I think that all of the gear should be scattered across your world slash world slash maps like it needs to be spread up. It needs to be difficult to get, but not like impossible to where one boss just becomes absolutely mind numbing to like play over and over and over again. Um, I think farming and crafting for ingredients has a very like big flaw in the sense that you, um, there will be a best way to farm for materials, and that is the way that you do it. And you have to sit at your computer for X amount of time <laughs> grinding for those materials, and you hate every second of it. Spend and... 10 hours of your life for this piece of gear, and that's it. It's not difficult. Yeah, and, like, for example, like, I bring up Wizard 101 a lot because I've caught the whiz bug recently. Understandable. I... There's one set of gear called the Dragoon gear that was the best gear for a level like 130 through 150 or through 159. Um, And the way that you farmed it was there was a dungeon that you would go through and you would like turn to uh, every single character to the point where people were reporting other players for not turn toing <laughs> for not knowing how like, to turn to yeah yeah for not knowing how to turn to and like people got banned and i legitimately like the first time i did it i got a notice saying that you have been reported by other players for bad behavior because i didn't know the strategy and i got like people flaming me for it and that thing happens more often in a lot of mmos than i think would think because when you're farming for what material having to run around grabbing whatever minerals you need to find it becomes such a slog to defeat this one boss that has the best draw operates for a really really long time and i think that um games that have max gear that or like the best gear in the game that are a, it should never be pay to win. You, sh- I feel like you should never ever have to like swipe a credit card and be like, ah, yes, agree. I have the best gear in the game. Hard agree. I-, I think that is absolutely horrible for games. I also think that games that have like, like I said previously, it has to be scattered around the map, like to get your full sets of gear. Um, I know that. Um, Diablo does this fairly well where like each boss fight should feel unique and replayable. Like you should want to have like there's I feel like there actually should be a decent amount of energy 
um, in a lot of these fights, and I know that's going to kind of sound like heresy of like, I want to farm for my gear. It's like, well, do you want, like, I think it should be fun to farm for your gear. It should be like, actually, you have to go interact with things. You can't just like set up a macro and farm for gear. Yeah, like Assassin's Creed 4, strangely enough, does this so well whenever you max out your your character because like if you want to get like the best ship in the game you have to take on like the largest frigate in the um in the game and you have to do certain quests that are challenging but fun but replayable and like the hunting in the game actually feels like like to get certain materials actually feels very um interactive feels unique each okay. like beast that you have to take down it's it's pretty difficult and there are, like there are times where you're like oh damn like i i screwed up a little bit here um but i'm still having like i will still say that like that is one of the most fun games that i've played okay. for like from a farming perspective um where farming was fun getting to max gear was fun because like you kind of of felt every single boss that you took on was difficult but also like you knew going into it it was big you had to farm for it a little bit but not a lot i literally think that like when you go into testing for a game put on a timer and sit like and see how long it takes 10 people take the average of that like to do it six times or something like that like yeah because you don't want you don't want to rinse and repeat a boss over and over again to try and get drops i think that pity systems should be there but be used fairly liberally like i think that you should legitimately it should be like six or seven times that you fight a boss that takes 10 to 20 minutes before you get pity system okay like I think I I don't like pity systems because people just rely on it too much. Agree. Um, uh, I don't think that I think that Max Gear gets a little overrated, but it there's there's a blend. There there is a blend of like this cannot take too long. The Max Gear also can't be too good in a weird way. I think it is it it's not pathetic. It might be Diablo, where you can literally make characters that are completely unkillable, like literally unkillable. But the, like the gear takes forever to get, and it is a incredibly tall task. But at the same time, so there are items in Diablo Four. Uh, I I know this because I was actually like doing some research on it because I was consider I don't have Diablo Four, but I was considering getting it. Uh, there are items in Diablo 4 that have not been found. There is there is a... Um, I don't know exactly what the tier is called. I want to say they're called Mythics, but that could be incorrect. There are four of them. They are specific items with specific stats. They're essentially the four... I believe they are weapons. I believe they are the four best weapons that you can get in the game. Uh, one of them has been, like has been confirmed to have been acquired by someone in the game. The game has been out for, like, uh, two months or something like that. I don't know exactly when it came out, but, like, two months. And one of these items has been dropped in-game. 
three of these like that is how that is think of how many people are playing diablo 4 that is how small this drop rate is on these four items is that it is yeah one of them has been confirmed to have been found in game the other three people are still like like it, the the Diablo devs had to like send out a tweet to confirm it last week that the items do exist. That is that is what it came to. The devs had to say yes. We promise these are actually in the game. Yeah, so, that's too much. That's, that that's is too much that's farming. too much. That's my point. That's way too much. Um, I don't mind farming. I don't mind grinding. It's an MMO. Like New World is. I, I want to say to to hit max gear in New World. Um, the one thing, I, okay. So side note, the one thing I do like about New World, so the the best gear in the game in New World is going to be crafted crafted gear. Um, in New World, you can hit max crafting in everything. I really like that. Some some MMOs try and restrict you on what you can craft. They'll be like. Uh, you know, this character can craft jewels at max level, or he can craft, uh, or he can be a, a leather crafter at max level, right? And, cre- and craft like hide armor, right? That kind of stuff. Um, some MMOs kind of try to restrict you. New World does not. You can hit max crafting in everything. However, max crafting is 200. On my, on, on the only character I've played New World on, I'm level 200. I am, I was trying to craft trying to get to the point to craft max uh melee weapons i in 200 hours of new world and probably i'm gonna say 20 of those were set exclusively to uh grinding ingredients and crafting to to raise my to raise my to raise my weapon crafting um i believe that when i stopped playing i was level 135 in Uh. weapon crafting it was the it would it would have taken me if i have to guess i i'm guessing it would have taken me at least another hundred hours alone to hit level 200 on on weapon crafting to to be able to craft the best stuff in the game now that they dropped gear is very good don't get me wrong the issue with the way that gear drops work in in new world is that Essentially, um, every piece of gear has a gear score, every slot in your thing. So gloves, chest plate, helmet, boots, pants, um, they all have their own gear score lock. Um, if I'm trying to explain this in the best way possible. So essentially, if you if you got a piece of 600 gear score chest plate, but your max uh, your your max helmet that you've acquired is 550. Essentially, when you're doing the the final bosses in the game, when you're farming the final world bosses, your chest plate drops can be above 600 because you have a 600 chest plate. Your helmet drops cannot be above like 570 because it's locked to a certain amount above your current max gear score per slot, which means that you have to keep grinding and get lucky time after time after time to continue getting the same uh piece of gear hopefully it has good stats on it on top of that um to increase your gear score watermark so that you can get the better gear in the game it's a pain in the ass it starts after 600 it goes up by five 
So uh, to get from gear score 600 to gear score 700 um, in a specific slot, you have to get a gear score 600 chest plate, then a 605, then a 610, then a 615. It is a grind. You can craft any level of gear. That is the, uh, that is the, that is the caveat to that, is that uh, if you miraculously are level 200 crafting, you can just craft gear score 700 stuff. You don't have to don't have to increase your watermark to get there you can just craft it so if you're farming gear you can get very similar gear to what you can craft but it is going to take you a hell of a lot longer so very it's a very interesting way to look at mmos that is interesting that's a unique system it was and i don't think it's a bad system because it's it the, it, the goal of it was to even out the time between people who want to farm for gear and people who want to craft for gear. It was it was meant to even out the time spent to get to max gear score on both of those. Speaking of spending time on characters, our next segment. <laughs> how do you uh, kill 6 out of 10. Characters? 6 out of 10. Respectable. Um how do you kill characters properly? I feel like we all have whatever medium of entertainment there are deaths that are done correctly and deaths and very poorly <laughs> yeah um penzo how kill a character properly and what is your like least favorite character death in fantasy or in nerddom um okay so I think that like the the first the the first obvious answer is that um have are you are you familiar with the term fridging? I am not. Okay, so in like uh I'm going to give you a brief rundown cuz I don't know the, the the exact specifics. Essentially in like a in a Green Lantern comic in like the 70s uh I think it was how Jordan at the time, how Jordan they're like it's the start of the comic they're figuring out how to give him the motivation for the comic essentially he walks in to his apartment opens the fridge and his wife has been killed and like essentially chopped up and put in the fridge um and she is on i believe she is on one other page of the comic before this so she has zero she has zero character she has zero depth her uh, one, uh, 100% of her purpose of being in this comic was so that she could get killed in a in a surprising way to Hal Jordan and it sort of it puts him on like this destructive path he he kind of like breaks down because of this because it was in this surprising way so she is essentially killed to make to give Hal Jordan character growth that is that is what she is killed for it is a term it is called it is called fridging um when you fridge a character, you're essentially killing them for no other reason than to necessitate another character to do something, to grow, to uh, motivate them, right? That, that is it. It has nothing to do with the character that died. They could have been uh, a, a cat, and it would have done the same thing, right? You know, uh, it, there's no character involvement. So, like, that, that would be, like, the obvious answer of, like, bad, right? Like, a character, for a character to die something needs to it it needs to be necessary in my opinion you need to write it to where there is no other outcome for that character that that's kind of what what i would go with 
I like that a lot. I am now realizing that I very much have bridged a few D&D characters. Of, 100%, dude. 90%, 95% of D&D characters have, like, fridged parents or a fridged wife or whatever, right? Like, 100%. Well, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. More of there was one character or one player character in a campaign that I had, and I've mentioned this character a few times on the podcast, I think. But this character was a druid who did, who like objected from learning any sort of combat system of, or like combat ability, any damage dealing, anything to help them in combat. And they were a druid, but they wanted to have an animal companion and have animal handling, and they went about it the worst way. And I offered to help their character. I also offered to, like, let them redo their character because they were fairly new to Dungeons & Dragons. All of those were declined, and eventually <laughs> in the campaign, I got to the point where I'm like, I'm not going to try and save your character. If your character dies... Rocks fall, like, you die. Meteor hits your character. Oh, yeah, no, there was this one fight that, like, they got into a rough spot. They were in a big, like, slot canyon. and. It was pro. It was only like three squares uh, wide, but really, really long. And one of the characters, um, she, uh, this character decided to dive into the middle of these three assassins who've been following them the entire campaign. And I was like, immediately, I was like, "Oh, you just got yourself killed!" As soon as they like they flew in yeah I'm like, yeah, you yeah. Got yourself killed and i was like i fridged the character i was like yep this is it you're gonna die now like i'm i'm not and i'm not gonna stop this was like, like, yep. the part, if the party can stop this go ahead i was i was like i'll be fair if the party can stop this or if, if you, you can, can actually well find a way out you're safe good luck <laughs> yeah but i was like like and then once that character died the the actual player was like, you know, I feel like there were tools at my disposal that are in the handbook that have, could, could have prevented my character from <laughs> dying. And they were very emotionally invested into this character, too. And I felt bad. Like, they got a little teary-eyed when I died. And yeah, I, I mean, a, you gotta feel a little, little bit bad, but at the same time, like, you really does do that one to yourself you know you really do yeah that i one. was like okay i like i feel bad that like you feel bad but also at the same time like you got this character like i gave you so many opportunities and warnings it was like every single week i'm like hey you didn't do jack shit in this combat you almost got one of your party members killed um you're not doing anything in combat because you want a pet bird when in fact you can transform into a bird actually it wasn't a bird it was a ferret yeah i i'm trying to think i don't know if i've ever like fridged a character in one of my, the campaigns i've been dming um I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to think off the top of my head i've only killed a couple characters in dms that i've in campaigns that i've dm'd um i have two don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not out here like murdering people. I I just I right. I like to know how invested my my players are in specific uh in in specific 
you know characters before like if a character dies in a in a session i'll usually you know talk to the player and be like hey what do you like what are what are you thinking do you really like if you really like this character i can you know the would you be cool playing uh you know a side character for two sessions while the team kind of tries to res you or or something right you know but um like do you want this character coming back do you think this is a good ending for the character right like i know that's how critical role does it a lot is matt is like and and those guys are all you know they're super invested with how the story of the of the campaign goes and, and stuff but like i know that's how matt has said that he does it is he'll ask he's like do you want like well, like, uh, the the big one that I can think of is, is Scanlan dying for, like, the third time in campaign one. Um, and he's, like, and Matt was, was talking, it was when, it was when Scanlan left, uh, Matt's talking, Matt was talking to Sam, and he's, like, hey, like, do you, do you want Scanlan to come back? Like, do you think this is a good enough ending for the character? Is that where his story ends? Do you think he has more that he needs to do? And Sam was, like, I think, like, Sam was essentially, like, I think he still has more to do. Like, I would like Scanlan to come back. Um, and so Matt helps them get a way to make Scanlan come back, right? Um, I, I think that there's good and bad ways. I think that as far as killing characters properly, like, in movies and stuff, I don't really care. Like, the MCU, I really couldn't give less of a shit about how they kill characters, because I just don't feel invested in them. Like I think that's I think that's maybe that's what I would put as number one on the list of things that that you have to do to kill a character is uh give me a character to be invested in. Otherwise I will not care when you kill that character. I I agree with that a lot. Like the thing that I would say is that characters should also have uh, um like their death needs to play a bigger role. Like, the thing that I always get a little hung up on is in Harry Potter when Fred Weasley dies. Um, I think his death is really lame, and it's not done service to the character and to, like, Harry at all. Okay, I was... Side note, I was going to bring up Harry Potter and completely disagree with what you're saying. Really? I was. Okay, let, 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 me, let me finish my point. And then yeah, I'll, I'll let you finish. Potter. I just wanted to throw that okay. in there. So in Harry Potter, Fred Weasley, the way that he dies is it's at the end of a chapter and it's like this wall blows up and it's like, Fred is dead, and his, it's like the ghost of his last smile is still on his face, or something like that. And it's like a, it's like I, I, it's like a one or a two sentence throwaway is essentially what yeah, it is. It's not given the time of like literally like there's a giant explosion. Fred is dead. The battle kind of subsides a little bit later, and then Harry goes to and he like sees the weasleys and they're all like sad and then harry fucking leaves again after like two or like i think two pages he just straight up leaves and is like wow that sucks and then fred is never mentioned again in the book okay okay counter argument time Um, okay (laughs) 
So, first of all, I will I will admit that I do not think Fred has the best death in the in the end of 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 Harry Potter. I will agree with you. Um however, I strongly believe that the way that Fred's death is portrayed is 100% a choice. I think it is on purpose um to show uh essentially uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to say it. Essentially, how small one person is, and kind of like, like, like it's 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 almost inconsequential, right? Whether whether Fred is dead or alive really does not have any impact on the on the end of the book, right? I I really think that it's it's just uh like like to show kind of how. Like, obviously, part of it is to be, like, how how bad everything is going in Hogwarts, that kind of thing, right? But, like, I, I strongly believe that it's it's about, like, how in, inconsequential one person is. Because I don't think it's the best death. I think, to be honest, to be completely honest, at least in the movies, okay? Because um, I, I, I don't really remember the sequence in the book. But um, Bellatrix's death in the movies, I think, is a fantastic character death to be to be completely honest because that is a character who even though she's a villain we are invested in bellatrix because we hate her she sucks Mm -hmm. right yeah but that's investment that is a that is an investment and then she gets killed by by molly weasley and it it makes it it feels really good it feels really good to to watch bellatrix like act finally get taken out she's so she's so haughty and and up on her high horse how she's so good at everything um and and right and we hate we hate bellatrix and then she dies and that's a really good character death obviously it's a bad guy right so like you don't think about that quite as much about about bad guy deaths being being good or bad because generally speaking they are good for the good guys when a, when a bad guy dies but no right. there are that is a good way to kill a bad character there i think that like bigger character like the thing that you said about like spending time on a character dying and having it pay off um i just don't think that like i think that needs to happen and i didn't think that that happened with fred I like I actually think the Harry Potter franchise is a little hit and miss with character deaths. Like when Dumbledore died, <clears throat> like that was a huge moment in in Harry Potter and Agreed. they spend like a solid three chapters on what happened. Um I think that also there are a lot of side characters that die that definitely get like throwaway lines of like oh hundred like, percent dude oh like, I completely agree they're like oh yeah like uh Lavender Ted- Pruitt just is dead she gets eaten by a vampire bro and she gets one line it's, La- it's Lavender Brown actually but like Ted Tonks like a uh, Nymphadora Tonk like a side character's parents like oh yeah they like they died and also like um this other person died and this other person died as well and it is to kind of like teach the lesson to harry that like that people are like dying for him and like that's where he gets his like self-righteousness from of like i can't allow these people to die for me and things are going incredibly poorly for the resistance and 
this stuff of like it doesn't matter Agreed. where you are. Essentially, and a lot of throwaway lines. Yeah, essentially there are right. I, I'm sure you could look up a number of how many people die and die in that battle of Hogwarts, right? But um, essentially, there's like three or four characters that we actually care about as readers that are dead, right? Like uh, who Tonks and Lupin die, right? And Fred yeah. dies. Because um, that's to set up the set up the parody between Teddy Lupin. Yeah. And Harry of like an orphan yeah, child. Yeah, yeah. Um right, and like so like there's there's a couple that we actually do care about, but there's a whole lot more who get who again get like one throw away line that are essentially again going back to to the first point of this topic, uh they're essentially fridged so that Harry will go kill himself for Voldemort, right? That that's essentially what has happened is that there's uh, a hell of a lot of side characters who are just thrown into a fridge so that Harry will leave and go get killed by Voldemort so that he can get the resurrection stone and kill the, I don't know, Horcrux in him, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. But, also, right. Also, speaking of, I just thought of another thing for Harry Potter. Um, the way Harry dies, or, well, dies and then survives is a little confusing for readers and i don't like it because it I is think it's, i think it's poorly explained yeah because so what happened and th- so what i thought happened the first time i read through is not what happened um a lot of people think it is the horcrux inside harry that keeps him alive and that the horcrux breaks when he is killed that is not what happened Lily's magic that is in Voldemort when he used, like, the ritual in the fourth book, Lily's magic is still in Voldemort. And because of the Horcrux, they're linked. And when Voldemort tries to kill Harry, Lily's magic saved him, but not the Horcrux because that's Voldemort. And then the Horcrux dies on itself because it doesn't have anything to attach it to because Harry's dead. And then Harry comes back because he does because <laughs> of course he does yeah because he does it's he no, no i die, i completely but... agree that that is very convoluted and uh rowling is in my opinion trying too hard <laughs> at that point man just <laughs> why there's there's a hundred pages left in the last book and you're gonna you're gonna go have harry die yeah okay i believe you you're just i, I mean, think, I do, I think I... he's trying too hard I do think that the Horcrux answer of like, oh yeah, like the Horcrux saved him is a good explanation of like what good happens. enough for most like, people, you know? Yeah, like it'd be enough for a lot of people to be like, oh yeah, like Harry had a Horcrux inside him because when the curse was done, blah, 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 blah. Like that, that whole thing happens and then he dies and then Dumbledore's like, oh yeah, like they're in the train station and Dumbledore's like, oh yeah, the Horcrux that was in you saved you but is now like doesn't work anymore and is like dying because voldemort is no longer like something in the magic system that makes sense but is totally acceptable like yeah that right did, but way too complicated agreed and i think killed harry in a weird way even though harry didn't die I think I, again. Okay. I think that whole that whole sequence is incredibly convoluted because it's, uh, in my opinion, the only reason that any of that was written was to get Harry the Resurrection Stone, 
and I think that's really boring. I think I think you could have done it. I think you could think you. I think you could have had a better way to get him the resurrection stone than him going and having a Horcrux in him and blah 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 blah. I think it makes sense in a weird way. I think it makes sense. Again, but, I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing you could do. I just think it's so convoluted. It's like, why? Why did yeah, you have to do this? Makes sense. Speaking of Voldemort and Harry Potter and the ends of stories, how do you come up with the end of a campaign for Dungeons & Dragons? All right, so ending a campaign, generally speaking... Is I you seven and a half out of ten for that one? Uh, yeah, I'll give you like a seven. Okay, um, I'll, I'll take a seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think ending a campaign, right? Generally speaking, you're talking uh BBEG and a fight. You know, um, the the hard part comes with who's the BBEG, right? Who is this? Who's this guy that? the that the the party needs to fight why do they care you know like at least in my campaigns right like those are the things i have players who will not go along with the um uh because we're heroes through line they won't do that so i have to come up with like an actual reason for them to care which generally speaking means i have to steal from them and then they will care once their stuff gets (laughs) stolen now they'll fuck someone up uh they will not do it because they're heroes right some some people have parties who uh because they're heroes is is a good enough reason to stop the world from ending um yeah my party i have to actively steal from them that is that is is my number one motivation for my party i have learned that uh that lesson the hard way um a few times because sometimes you forget uh, and you go from group to group, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, they'll choose the good guy thing to do." And they're like, "No, I like what's I want more gold." I I had a campaign <laughs> once. I legitimately had a campaign once where uh, they started investing in properties in like the biggest city, and they started a property management firm because they were like they didn't really care that the that like the corrupt villain was like taking over the kingdom and they're like as long as the real estate market is yeah right. Off right now as long as i can make and, some gold here we're good yeah and weirdly enough that was a really fun campaign to do like it was it was really unique but it took on a totally different element of like oh, i can I imagine need to like <laughs> actually get them playing dungeons it's like i need to get them playing dungeons and dragons and not like real estate simulator because yeah. uh Oh boy, but yeah, I know what you mean. Of like, you have to get your characters invested at the uh, to your BBG BBEG. Like my like my last campaign, um, the final BBEG was. Uh, I'm trying to think. He was important because number one, the I do my campaigns in arcs is is how I run my campaigns. So arc one. Uh, a guy named Terox was essentially messing with the party. He was he was basically just like baiting them. They ended up pushing him into uh, essentially an altar, and he 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 disappeared. Uh, 
they didn't know if he died. They didn't. The, the, the priest said that he should, that he would have died by going through it. Right. So they believed him. Uh, the second arc was a chick who I was not supposed to be like a, a long-term villain, but she stole from them because they stole from her. So she essentially stole back what, what they had taken. And then they were mm-hmm. pissed and essentially chased her around to, to take back what, what she had stolen. Um, mm-hmm. And then the final villain was uh, big demon guy, whatever. Essentially, what I had to do to get my players invested was the first villain came back. Essentially, what happened is he fell through an altar and became an avatar for this demon on the mortal realm, um, on the on the primaterial plane, because the demon was stuck in like a essentially like a hell vault that he couldn't get out of. So he had an avatar on the primaterial plane, but because it was this first arc villain and that guy was a total dick. The party was invested because they wanted to fuck that guy up again, right? Like mm-hmm. that—that's what I had to go with. That's what I had to go back to to get the party to actually care about the world-ending threat that was coming. You know, that's that's interesting because I've I've had a very similar experience. One of my favorite campaigns of all time was a essentially pirate-themed campaign, is what I'm going to refer to as. Okay, and. The unexpected villain was the was like a side character that that stole from them. Like this one time, it was like they had like their ship, and they were. I was expecting this to be like a fairly normal conflict and a somewhat reoccurring character of like this character um, was the. Not the king of pirates, but he called he called himself the Lord of the Sea because he had a very very large pirate ship and had a lot of other pirate like guilds uh, referred to him as like the leader and the ruler of the seas, and he was going to like he was not intended to be the last villain. The last villain was actually supposed to be a like a giant sea monster that i had planned out for but it just so happened that like as the character progressed and stole some stuff from them because he was they were planning on i was only going to steal like he was only going to steal this one thing because he was an honorable thief and he's like i only need this one thing for personal reasons it's the only thing that you have that i see of value they pissed him off, and the rest of his crew, like, stole a lot of their gold that was in the bottom of their ship that they were going to go deposit probably to the bank. deserved. Yeah, no, deserved. Like, they had murdered and killed a, a lot of people to get all of that gold. But they Im- immediately became invested to this character. And because I had, like, because the character was built in such a way of, like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be kind of poss- probably an arc ender, is I was going to make them and, like, them be, like, the king of thieves, or them, like, their ship be, become essentially, like, the Black Pearl of, like, this incredibly yeah, yeah, feared yeah. ship. Like, that I was, see, I see what you're going was, for. You know, yeah, that was, that was the plan. And then, it turned into like the sea monster was like, oh, like that's kind of cool that we can go get like this this jewel or something like that. But um, like that became the arc ender of like I don't think 
that you should 100% get married to a villain. I think it's a very Dungeons and Dragons esque thing to have side characters play a major role. Agree. Like have, Agree. Like, <laughs> like you'll have that one shopkeeper or that one goblin that you see in a bar that your party falls in love with, and it's like, oh my gosh, we have to have. Yep. Dread the goblin, a pleased person. Had that, had that in my first campaign, but then. Yeah. It gives you so much creative freedom because in D and D, you never know when that little goblin in a in a bar is like a trickster god who has his eye on the party because he you know foresees great things for them, but he wants to make those great things as hard as possible to achieve because he's a dick, right? You know, yeah. like you can do that. You can, you can. I, th- I think in D and D, it's really easy to retroactively do stuff like that. You know, yeah, for for I, characters that the that the that the party really likes. Yeah, I and I am a very like I'm a big advocate for like rule of cool type thing. Hundred percent. If you like, and like, I'm gonna bend the rules a little bit so it can happen like the ending of that campaign that i was talking about like the pirate campaign was so unique because i had planned it to where the the ending of the campaign was the the king of pirates and the ruler of essentially like a lot of world governments and like diplomatic immunity was in the center of this really massive island and your jaw and it was a race to the center and okay. at the very end of the show or like of the um of the series of 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 the arc like they're in the final room it just so happens like i didn't plan it this way of like everyone gets there at like pretty much the same time yeah um Anchorman exactly 2 fight breaks time. out yeah gigantic fight breaks out and one of the like anti-hero characters ends up saving the party's life okay it fits so well that like the very end of it this guy gets the jewel everybody's like battered and bloodied and one of the guys like he goes to like shake his hand and he asks like the character asked me this question he goes how beat up is this guy like legitimately and he's like he's on his last legs like he's this guy's about to die (laughs) he's dying right now he's bleeding out (laughs) about to die and it was so fitting for this one character. He's like, I would like, he's like, as I am shaking his hand, I would like to pull his chest into my flintlock and shoot him. And I was like, <laughs> and I was so flabbergasted, but, and I was like, do I, I'm like, okay, I'm like, do I railroad it to where I can't, where he can't? And then I thought about his character for like half a second. It was like, no, like these guys are the swash, like these guys are the anti-heroes. These guys are the swashbucklers of the sea. This fits this fits so well and it was something i did not plan at all i thought these guys going into the uh like when i was building it like you were like oh yeah they'll be heroes to be heroes like no these guys are pirates like these guys are are not like motivated because heroes oh yeah these guys don't care about like the sea monster that's gonna end the world they care about the gold it's in in character yeah it's in character and so he like shot him and it's like yeah it's like yeah no you shoot him like he dies like congratulate and i had a very theatrical like response to like his death i actually feel like i killed him off 
like fairly fairly properly but uh, like at the end of it it's like oh like yeah you guys are the last people standing in this room at the at the end of it and i think the way you end campaigns is don't get married to your like to the ending of your campaign like let things that are like use creative freedom and use the opportunities for creative freedom i like i had a similar thing at the end of my last campaign where uh essentially the party was fighting this big demon they essentially teleport to his to his realm into his hell vault um to fight him because otherwise he's gonna break out and then world goes bad right big demon on the prime material plane not a good thing so they mm-hmm. they end up in his in his hell vault to fight him uh he was what he his, his title was blood lord he was a blood lord so his gimmick in the fight again i i i don't know how you do like your your fights but like for me especially for big boss fights everything is homebrewed i homebrew i try to give them a special a special ability that either the party does know about and has to play around or the party doesn't know about till it starts so this guy's thing was that uh essentially when he hit you uh when he did damage to you he was pulling blood out of your body and he reduced max hp on every hit any damage he did to you reduced max hp so you could not most damage he had some minions that didn't do this so some so some Mm -hmm. damage was healable but most damage in this fight was not healable um so one of the characters the uh the hex blade of the party um got reduced her max hp got reduced to zero um which would mean generally speaking character death you cannot you cannot res a character that has no max health um you cannot heal that character back up that character essentially instantly loses all all of their death saving throws um yeah but this character had the same altar that the first bad guy had fallen into this character had uh poked her head through this altar and essentially she had meeten she had she had she had had a conversation with a at the time was a god of death she did not know this that's what it was um however uh slight backstory to the campaign at the time of that first arc we were playing uh pathfinder pathfinder one ian she was playing a magus um and then we switched later in the campaign she switched we switched to 5e she was playing hexblade and um at the end of this campaign she gets her max hp reduced to zero um she runs back into this death god who's essentially there to bring her to the other side um because he early in the campaign he was basically like hey i'm not gonna kill you right now for poking your head into my altar okay i won't but you, you're gonna owe me one um and that didn't really have a payoff until this end and he is essentially when when he when she meets him as he's as he's taking her to the other side he's essentially like uh he's essentially what it turned into was hey did you enjoy those powers i gave you like he was he was the patron he was he was the hex blade that was was her patron right um and he ends up sending her back to to the to the mortal realm he's like listen i don't want to go through because at this point in the campaign the characters were like level 17 He's like, I don't want to go through having some like he's like, I don't want to wait for someone else to to get as strong as you. He's like, I'm going to send you back, but you're you are going to have to do essentially like what I like you are. You're, we're going to have to be on the same page. You know, you're going to have yeah. to do some stuff for me. Um, and she ended up getting 
uh, a really cool character transformation. Her skin, uh, she essentially gained, like, picture, like, large birthmarks, like, on her arms and then, like, part of her face. Uh, but they were, it was described as the night sky is is how they looked oh. like they were almost uh cor- like incorporeal like like almost see-through that's pretty cool that's what the altar looked like that she had fallen into so that's what this man this that's what this god's realm looked like um but it was one of those where it was like i was like do i like do i let this character die here would it be fitting and i i decided that it wouldn't i just didn't i just did not think so um which was kind of like a spur of the moment. I was like, listen, I, I'm not usually one to keep characters, like, around. But, like, I don't think that this character dying... Like, there were... There was, like, two characters that if they would have died in that final fight, I definitely would have been like, yeah, you're not coming back. You're, you're done, skis. But, no, this one, I was like, I don't think this is... Like, I don't think her story's over. I'm not gonna... I'm not... I'm Like, I'm not gonna cut it off there. I think there's a lot more that this character can do. So, I let her stick around. But, no, like, that, that big bad... I knew about halfway through the campaign what I wanted him to be. And then I can set it up, right? For the first little bit, especially when you're working in arcs on a campaign, you kind of have some time to think about the big bad, right? You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, I know exactly what you... You kind of buy yourself some time to, to, like, see what the characters are doing. Then you can... Once you think of it, now you have, like... Like, I I had two arcs. Um, after the first arc, I, uh, like halfway through the second arc, I thought of, of what I wanted the big bad to be. And then I had two more arcs to set him up. And I thought, like, I think it worked very well. Yeah. Like buy yourself some time. Like when you're world building, like I would, I have never done this before, but I might like set up big bads in your world of like oh yeah this is a really strong something that can be like i guess a world ender or like can be my like can be my big bad or can be the end of the campaign like this can go somewhere the question is does does the party bite yeah does it fit because it won't always and in fact it probably Your your first idea of how a campaign is versus what it ends up being is oftentimes really different. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You can't. You can never anticipate the characters. Oh yeah, like I've had, I've had complete dungeons like avoided because characters didn't want to do a thing on a certain day. Exactly. Like oh yeah, like let's go, let's take this path, and you're like I shouldn't have given the option. like okay cool i i I guess there goes my planning for the week okay i guess (laughs) yep you're like oh man um i am a big fan i will say i am a big fan of um multiple villains with the same goal uh whether or not i agree whether or not they are like in my last campaign essentially what was happening was the demon from the hell vault he was gaining power on the prime material plane so he was able to essentially uh recruit some lieutenants to activate altars that would break the hell vault that that was that was essentially what was happening um and so he he got a couple of these lieutenants so even though arc two and arc three 
had completely different villains. They took place in completely different places in, in the world, right? Like one of them was in the northern country. One of them was in the southern country. One of them was in the eastern country, right? Like these arcs are all in different places. But like slowly, slow, very, very slowly, they piece like they, the, the party gets to piece together what's going on. Like they actually activated the second altar. They didn't know it. Ooh but they did it essentially what happened was they were tasked to because this chick that stole all their stuff basically framed them and the the law the the law keeper of the town that they were in was like i'm going to give you one week to bring me this this chick's head if you don't i will i will put out a you guys will be wanted is is essentially what what was going to happen so when they killed her they took her head but uh, they cut her head off while she was on top of the altar. So they essentially oh. completed the blood sacrifice that was necessary mm-hmm. for this That's... altar to be activated. A blood lord's altar activated by blood. Um, they did not know it at the time. They found out halfway through arc three. They had to go back wow. to they had to go back to that altar for some reason. They needed to test uh, what the artificer was trying to make a weapon to combat the blood lord because halfway through arc three they found out about the blood lord they went back to the altar and then they found out that it had been activated um and yeah that was one of those things that was one of those things were actually in the moment so i had come up with this was an altar i didn't know what it was supposed to be an altar for yet but i'm like she is she's on an altar she's trying to activate it and i put in my notes i had it in big I, i put it in like size 20 all caps font i was like they cut her head off on the altar it's active i put that i that was in my notes i was like they are going to be pissed when they find out about this and they were it was exactly what i wanted to happen right but it connects arc two and three and it it connects into essentially arc four which is the the final boss right which i really like it's multiple villains with um even though like like the two villains in the final in the two arcs right the second one she was really greedy that was her thing the third guy was a he was he was dead and the blood lord was basically like hey i can bring you back to life if you do this thing for me he's like if you do this thing for me strings unattached you are back to life if you don't do this thing for me you're dead again um is is basically what it was and so right they have very different motivations but they are they are working towards this same goal, which is essentially ending the campaign. I'm a big fan of that. It doesn't have to be like a, you know, like a, a a dark guild of mages that are all working to bring this thing together, right? Like that's it's two completely different characters working towards the same goal for completely different reasons, right? Yeah. It, it makes it feel uh, I don't know. To me, it makes it feel more genuine almost. I like that. I like that a lot. Like that's a definitely. It worked um, really well. I was very, I was very really well. uh, happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it also because it gives you the opportunity, like just from uh, DM's perspective, like you get to see what your characters like and what exactly. they respond to. Of like, I, I have this end goal, but I have no clue what. Like, especially with newer campaigns or, like, non... Like, you've got... R- rarely ever, I feel like, do you have a campaign that goes on for a long time where, like, people don't kind of filter in and out or you have, like, 
breaks or whatever. Yeah, you have breaks or you have like it's a new campaign, but it's not going to be the same exact same party. You don't know what people are going to gravitate towards like in a new campaign. So getting married to the idea of like of one thing when you're building a campaign or like wanting to end it a certain way, like it needs to be satisfying. Like I've I've had a campaign before that ended really unsatisfying like because of how poorly the big bad rolled at the end of it like it was really? i was rolling yeah they had the big bad had like a plus six minimum to everything okay. to all of their roles i didn't roll above a seven the entire <laughs> time that's a bummer and I was pr- I was pretty disappointed. The party was like I the party was also pretty disappointed. I think as well of like they're like oh man we wanted this to be harder. Like we wanted this yeah. to be like yeah. the phase uh, two. He re he reanimates. Oh no, there was a phase two. There was a hundred percent of phase two. I phase two the shit out of it. I'm a and big fan of that. Oh, he rolled really shitty. You have to kill him a second time in that case. <laughs> yeah, like I, I did. I phase two a little bit. One of the characters got a little scared because I was like, oh yeah, phase two. It's stronger this time, and almost killed one character. Almost killed another. Or almost killed one character. Did some damage to another character, but like the rest of the a large. The majority of the party was like, that wasn't that hard. I, like, for me, in my current campaign, we're on a break at the moment, but in our in our current campaign, I had, I don't have the, the final, who the final bad guy is yet, but I'm a big fan of, like, setting up multiple storylines at the beginning that could be the final camp, the final guy, right? So, like, there's, there was this uh, chick at the beginning, she was called the Beast Queen, who, she was, she was kind of an anti-hero she helped the party a little bit but she was also like while she was helping the party she was like directly threatening townsfolk to leave um and the reasoning for that is that she knows that something bad lives in the forest right next to it right but the the town doesn't know yet and she is the beast queen she's not going to like go in and parlay with them she is essentially like hey you like get out or i'm gonna kill you because if this thing kills you, that's really bad, right? Um, and essentially, the, the setup for this campaign was, like, a thousand years ago, uh, essentially what happened was a, a planner gate opened. Uh, a group of mages opened a planner gate because they thought that... Uh, they thought it, it was it was essentially like a multiverse kind of thing. They thought that they could harness the power of, like, this of this uh of the uh uh the not the feywild the other one the sh- the shadow plane i i don't know the I don't know what no 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 the the opposite of the feywild it's like uh oh. it, it what's it called shit i don't i can't think of it it's it's the shadowy plane that's the opposite of the feywild um they oh. thought they could harness it and essentially what happened was uh like a handful of incredibly powerful beings came through and uh fucked shit up that's essentially what happened. But in this campaign, a couple of those people are still alive. So, like, the first vampire in my world came through that planner gate. That is how vampires entered my world. And it is a very, it is a very small cult. He is very, the, the, the main guy, the, the, the first vampire, he's still alive. But he's very haughty. He does not transform people. 
because he thinks he's better than everyone. So there's like there's like five vampires in the entire world, right? That kind of thing. Cool. Um, That's pretty cool. So sorry, excellent. I uh, just bringing it back to the beginning of the topic, a little bit of what we talked about. I just have uh, one, like I've I've got one question that I want to ask you for the end of this, um, just because I'm curious. In your campaigns, like, what's your favorite? Because we talked about a little bit about like you know the party latches on to like the kind of dumb NPCs, right? What's your yeah. favorite thing you've done with one of those like NPCs that they've latched on to? Um, ooh, I think my favorite one was um, it was a, it was a goblin. It was Gorguk the goblin, and Gorguk was a was supposed to be a like it was a random goblin in a tavern. And they, this was a very like suspicious looking tavern that they were in, and okay. they, like everybody had like cloaks up and everything like that, and everybody looked very very villainous. And then they saw like the innocent looking goblin in a corner. They were they literally asked, "Who's the most trustworthy person like looking <laughs> here?" And I was like, "Oh, this goblin that you see, and his name is Gorguk, and Gorguk was actually really personal, like a very personable." Uh, goblin and it like was very cute when talking to them and was like I'm scared I don't know why I'm here and then uh, Gorguk ended up being a an informant for um, another a, a leader of a cult um, okay and Gorguk was a in fact a very powerful warlock and ended up like <laughs> Like, literally, like, eyes changed color, like, skin started to sag, like, they knew that he had turned into a villain and was, like, with him the entire uh -oh. time, and it was like, uh-oh, and they were, they were pretty upset at me, they're like, but Gorguk was supposed to be, like, no, he's a good guy, he's a friend, and he's like, no, Gorguk was setting you up the entire time, like, he was trying to get you killed. All of the information that he had given you, like, there were a lot of NPCs out there of, like, of several different times I kind of tried to, like, hint that, you know, maybe Gorguk isn't the most trustworthy <laughs> fella, because uh, there was a, like, NPCs would, like, give them, like, maps or something like that, and Gorguk was like, you know, we could take this other way, and it almost gets them killed. And it happened, like, four times, and, like, the NPCs they never were like, caught oh, on. like, yeah, like, they never caught on of, like, he's, like, he's trying to get you killed. Like, he's legitimately trying to murder you. And, not, like, and nobody noticed until, like, the big reveal of their, like, they're, like, how, like, wait, what? And he's, like, I told, he's, like, I, he's, like, he's, like you guys have been surprisingly resilient. He's, like, <laughs> there have been multiple incredibly trustworthy people that are like yes go here and he's like ah he's lying i know he's setting up a trap on and they listen to him every time every time That's it was pretty good it was so good for me i had in my first campaign i had this guy he lived in the center uh he lived in an oasis in the center of a black sand desert and Ooh. um his name was Quozo. He was this little halfling, absolutely batshit crazy, right? And the first time that the uh, party runs into him, he pulls off some, like, pretty extreme magic uh, that they they didn't really under... I don't think... I, maybe I didn't do a great job of describing it, right? But the party didn't really understand that he was, like, the source of this magic. 
And I didn't, mm -hmm. at the time, I did not know what I wanted to do with this character. I knew I wanted to bring him back. He was a cool little guy. Uh, the party really liked him. Like, the party sent him a, uh, a package of uh, crayons and paper because that's what, they asked, that's what he asked them for when they left mm -hmm. the first time. He was like, I'm bored as... He essentially said, like, I'm bored as hell. Can you guys send me, like, a coloring book is basically what he asked for. So they sent him a coloring <laughs> book. Um, and then they came back. They had to come back to him later because he apparently had answers for them because they were not sure how old he was. Um, essentially, what I decided to do with him was he was a dragon. He was a copper dragon, but he was completely oxidized. Um, like, that's how old he was. He was the He's the oldest dragon that lives in my world. And he... He, he he basically fucked with them for like two sessions before he gave them actual answers for what they were looking for but like i knew i knew when they met him the first time and especially because they liked him so much i was like this care i decided i was like this character is extremely powerful i'm going to give him some very vague powers so that i can so that i can set him up to you know do something later and then when yeah. they came back it was this this tiny innocent little crazy halfling who is in reality this like 1700 year old like almost withering away you know dragon who is who who has guarded this oasis forever and it's just like it, it's one of those where like and I, I as a dm i'm sure you understand this right when something happens and you're like i'm going to leave some straws here that i can grasp at later you know yeah i'm, I'm gonna make this yep. i'm gonna make this easy to uh uh kind of retrospect to make it to make it easy for me to pretend like that was the, that was the goal the whole time right yeah that i i do that a lot like there's i i've in fact done that possibly a little bit too much in some campaigns before yeah yeah, yeah. where there are in fact unresolved strings of like and I've had players ask me before, they're like, what happened, like, with this thing? And I was like, oh, like, that was there if you decided to do this. Yeah. Like, like that's there for, like, later things. Like, that doesn't really have a, like, back in arc one, they're like, what happened, like, with, like, this person? Like, we didn't really hear from them again. And it's like, well, there wasn't really a reason for you guys to, like, get them brought up. Yeah. Like, they, What's... they could be doing other stuff. What's like the what's what's like your favorite sort of Easter egg that you've put in a campaign that your party just completely missed? Oh, um, I'll tell you. Um, end of the first arc, I um, there was a piece of paper that they couldn't read because it was in it was in Infernal. Okay, and nobody could read it there, and they had found somebody who could read infernal but like they he had to like do a ritual to translate it okay and it was supposed to give them the location of where the big bad is doing all of their things and at the time i was like oh yeah like this is probably where the end of the campaign is gonna go um they could go there for information they could go like I could send somebody there that got kidnapped and they could try and escape or something like that. Like that was going to be the thing. And one of the characters backstories that like used to be it was a giant. It was a very large barbarian village like that had okay. 
a massive castle there, and that was supposed to be the like it, the that character, like that barbarian, was the chief or like the son of the chief, and his parents got taken over, and that land was supposed to be very very sacred to him, and that was his whole motivation for like taking on this one big bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I like set it all up and it's like, he's doing the ritual and it's like, but it's going to take some time for him to like finish this ritual. And they never went back to him. And I literally <laughs> like, like I was like, I was like, your, your guys is like spell is done. And there was, there was somebody who came like came to them and he's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I found you. Like, that I'm like so and so was like has been like looking for you and we're like we have other priority like we're like, like we're trying to figure this stuff out and I was like you know when somebody comes up to you and is like hey there's something really really important I would at least entertain what they had to yeah, say yeah right <laughs> like I was like smacked it over their head of like you know maybe possibly this is important to what you guys are working towards and like left it there and then like at the end of the campaign the big bad ended up being in a completely different location like yada 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 and then like at the end of the campaign because we knew that it was like the this was the end um there or what like that um there wasn't any arcs like everybody's character arc has had been pretty satisfactorily resolved and i was like you guys you, i'm like you know you guys like never went back to that like that neck that necromancer that could read your thing and they're like oh yeah they're like that was pretty important wasn't it and it's like, like it yeah, would have been it's like it would exactly like it would have been if you guys like re remembered or acknowledged to do anything at all with this. Yeah. What What about you? What was something that you've like kind of planted? Okay, so in in my first campaign, the in once the the first arc took place in the southern uh the southern country, and then the. Uh, kind of main base of operations turned into the eastern country where one of the characters is from and there was this tavern there it was called the honeybeard tavern there's this guy he was an old adventurer he was this uh he was an elf um and he they knew he was an adventurer because and because they, they talked to him quite a bit and basically he was like hey you know our party their their party was uh essentially split up at some points and throughout the like the arc two and three, they found the remains of every other person in his party. His party had been hunted down by uh, the lieutenants of this blood lord. And because because the blood lord was like, hey, I want, you know, basically he wants to eliminate the amount of people who can stop him. And this this old adventuring party was at the time the most uh, the, the biggest threats. Right. So he had hunted down the rest of of this. This character's name was Thrune. Um, he hunted down the rest of Thrune's party and killed them. And the party came across the remains of every of all five of his other party members. And they all had hints as to who they were. And they they knew the names of all of his party members. 
never caught on they never caught on to the <laughs> fact that that these that these old prominent adventurers had been hunted down and killed like they some of them they like they realized who they were and they were just like oh damn this guy died that's that's kind of a bummer right but they never they never pieced together that they were killed for a reason um, and i was like damn hey. that would have been that way it would have been cool if the, like it doesn't really impact it that much other than like they they told thrun and thrun was pretty sad about it right but um it didn't like they never pieced together that there would be a reason for these old adventurers to be like killed to be hunted and killed <laughs> that that was probably the biggest one that that my party kind of missed yeah the, and was like did that have a big payoff was that supposed to have like a bigger payoff to uh the the like, biggest payoff that they together? could have had is that they would have been able to save part of his party if they had caught on to it early they would have been able to find them and save them mm-hmm. so one of the guys so because his party had kind of disbanded like 40 years ago but his party was like uh only one of them was human so that was the only one that they wouldn't have been able to save um because he was the first he was he was an old man he was the first one to to get killed because he was like 80 years old and uh (laughs) and 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 was not in a in a position to uh like like fight off someone and be able to tell someone but he was the first one they found and if they had pieced it together they would have been able to uh essentially find the rest of his party and save them um and then would they have showed up in the final boss fight to help i had kind of considered it um you know just as as a sort of payoff like hey they actually did decide to come help you guys maybe uh, you know some of them would have died there maybe i would have made it harder who knows what what would have happened with that but they could have saved his party if they had caught on fast enough that's interesting but I, i like that a lot actually so now now he is the he is the last survivor from his party um but no it yeah it was it was uh I, I, it was a bummer that they missed it. it I think I, it just would have been cooler, right? Like, and that as a DM, yeah. that's something that you're always thinking about is like, you know, it's a bummer that, that my party kind of whiffed on this. It would have been cool, but realistically, <laughs> the campaign will still function. You know, you, you obviously have yeah. to write, a, you have to write a way for the campaign to still function. Right. Um, yeah. I, uh, there's there's so much we'll have to talk about D some more next time we'll have to talk about like some oh, world, world some, how about we, we can bring up some world building next time oh for sure i love world, world, building world building me personally me too me too um we did kind of this this episode went really long but i felt like it was pretty good discussion and we haven't had an yeah. episode in like three months so i really don't mind um, i don't mind either i thought that was we had a good we had some good talks well, we had to catch up a little bit, you know. We, we this That's is true. it's two That's episodes true. in one. Think of it that way. <laughs> um, so I think that's where we'll leave you guys today. Uh, we'll hopefully we can get this a little more regular. Get an episode every like week, maybe two. Right? Hopefully we can get something like that. Now, are you settling in at your new job? I am. I am. Okay. Yeah. Then then we'll we'll make a schedule. We'll make. I'll, I'll get a schedule down. We'll uh we'll get we'll try to get an episode uh out a week hopefully. And uh, yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoyed this kind of catch-up episode of Nerd Hub. Um, I enjoyed chatting, Exelon. I, I really like talking I about, like, especially D and D. I know you're you're obviously very versed. It's it's and 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 as another DM, right? 
I, I really love getting getting input from other DMs. It's just so I do nice. Too. Like, there's so many other like players that are just like people who play D and D who are players. They don't get what it's like to like be a DM and have some like I, like it sounds weird, but like having DM problems. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a lot of a lot of it is to like um people who are just players often and hopefully this is something that like listeners can maybe even agree with right people who are just players a lot of the time don't understand a lot of like the behind the scenes right like they don't understand what uh like what it takes to build a world that is believable right i think that that's a big one like even even in a whether or not you're running a high fantasy campaign a mid fantasy campaign whatever right whatever your level of fantasy is at some points, your 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 players have to be able to believe it, and I th- I think that's a that's a big big piece that uh, can get lost a little bit, you know. So I I really enjoy talking about the world building behind it, right? What can you do to make it believable? Maybe that's what we'll bring I, up yeah. next time. Yeah, a, I agree. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Well, we'll leave you guys there. I appreciate you guys coming, Exlon. Of course, I appreciate you. Um, oh. <laughs> but uh yeah that's all i've got all we've got for you guys so tune in next time to nerd hub and we will be here so i don't know i kind of scuffed that outro do you want to try it you, you got a better one for me excellent i kind of scuffed it no my, my i'm exclusively segues oh you're you're the segue guy all right <laughs> uh i'm the outro guy you've heard the last from us for the next seven days uh have a good week everyone